Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will explore a new investment theme from the UBS Chief Investment Office. Joining us for the conversation today, glad to welcome back Michelle Liberty, thematic investing strategist for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Michelle, thank you for dropping by. Looking forward to the conversation. Welcome. Good morning. So, Michelle, this new investment theme from the Chief Investment Office, circular economy. Can you expand a bit on what that means exactly? Sure. Circular economy is one that reuses materials and repurposes waste to give it a second life. So instead of an economy that is, is take or buy, use, and then dispose, you know, it's an economy where a good is recycled and then reused. And this isn't necessarily a new concept, right? We've been recycling things for a long time. Uh, even something like waste to energy has been around for a while. Um, but as resource scarcities become more apparent, we are seeing more of an emphasis around these circular concepts. And in our recent report, we've essentially broken out the three key investment angles alongside the reduce, uh, reuse, recycle narrative. So number one there, recycle, uh, of course, collecting material is essential to reusing it. Um, then reduce. So just for example, you know, we, we likely need to reduce our reliance on virgin materials, especially in terms of something like plastic waste. And then finally, uh, reuse. The, the market for secondhand goods has seen some really strong uh, growth in recent years. Uh, so that's an area that we explored as well. Uh, and I'll pause there, but at a high level, those are kind of the key areas that our report focuses on. Thank you, Michelle, for that overview. Very helpful. Maybe we can get a bit more granular, dive into the details a bit more. What are some of the key catalysts that you see for this theme, Michelle? Put another way, what's driving the thesis? Yeah, it's a good question. And some of the, the main key drivers uh, of many of our long-term investment themes apply here, too. So if you think about something like demographics, right, Um you know, in higher populations globally, that has a pretty uh, direct and apparent impact on waste volumes because, put very simply, there's just more of us using more things. And um, in more recent years, you know, one more specific example, if you think about something like resale, greater economies of scale and cheaper mass production paired with global trade have allowed for cheaper and more accessible fashion and affordability is really important. So that's not necessarily only a bad thing, but the the problem here is that recycling hasn't kept pace with that growth. Uh, So in fact, some estimates indicate that up to an entire garbage truck of textiles uh, goes to landfill every second. Uh, So it's really a significant amount of new waste volumes that we haven't necessarily come up with a good way of dealing with yet. You know, we're still having a lot of that go to landfill. And outside of some of those, you know, more secular drivers and demographics, we're also seeing some key catalysts for the theme. Uh, number one, regulatory. We're seeing a number of new regulations arise globally. Um, the second thing that I would mention, again, just in terms of resource scarcity uh, and cost savings, I think we're seeing this year just how... Uh, you know, 
just how relevant resource scarcities can be uh, on our economy. And then, you know, a couple other things that I would mention here. The third, new technological concepts uh, and new designs are arising that can help facilitate circularity. So we didn't always have the tech to make uh, circular economies a reality. Um, that is starting to change. And then finally, we also have a consumer that's becoming increasingly attuned to circular concepts. So we've seen the idea of thrifting, which again, not a new concept, but we've seen the idea of thrifting go from something that was once you know, stigmatized to something that's actually being seen as trendy uh, or a cooler thing to do, uh, especially if you're you know, shopping with sustainability in mind. So those are just a couple of the, the drivers that we're seeing arise uh, for the theme. Looking at the report within three key chapters based on the three R's, which are reduce, reuse, recycle. Michelle, can you provide some more information on each of these from an investment standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you'll notice that in the report, we actually switched the typical order around a bit. And we started uh, with recycle, uh, reduce, and then reuse. Uh, and that's because recycling is key for the circular economy to work, right? In order to reuse something, you need to collect it first. And in terms of solutions, I mean, mechanical recycling is already here. Um, you know, it's something that we already do. And from an investment perspective, what's interesting is that in the U.S., uh, large waste management companies tend to enjoy uh, pricing power, in our view, uh, due to their high market share and their relatively stable earnings. So that's something that's interesting from a, from a more tactical perspective. But then moving on to reduce, um, this is where we, you know, we focus on plastics because plastics are really ubiquitous um, in our daily lives, and they're not as easy as it might seem to replace. Um, you know, they're not very clear alternatives. If you think about something like glass, it's actually very heavy to transport. Um, so there's no perfect solution, and we really see kind of two opportunities arising here. Um, you know, the first bucket being these plastic kind of incumbent companies that are more traditional plastic companies that are also investing in solutions. So things like more biodegradable or bio-based plastics uh, that use renewable feedstocks rather than fossil fuel feedstocks. But the challenge is that the supply is still quite low and the costs are still high. Um, and then that second piece here would be, you know, the pure play companies who are really focused on these new innovative solutions and materials. Um, but again, it's still early and we're, we're seeing companies in the process of trying to scale these technologies up uh, to achieve better scale um, and more cost-efficient production. And then finally, reuse. Uh, we saw a pretty significant rise in resale fashion over the last couple of years. Uh, we've seen a number of new public companies IPO in this space. Uh, and what's interesting is that, is that it's not just the consumer driving this. I mean, that's definitely part of it in terms of the shift in popularity of vintage items more broadly. Uh, but it's also regulatory. Because if you see this increased pressure on brands to collect the waste from their business, what that can result in is a rise in partnerships between the brands and the resale providers, which is interesting because in the past we saw luxury brands you know, specifically really resist resale to try and protect their reputation um, and not have too much inventory out there and kind of keep that exclusivity. But this is, so this is a significant change in tone that we're seeing. And overall, the resale market is uh, pretty competitive, though. 
So, you know, at the end of the day, I do think for profitability to be achieved across the industry, we're likely to see some consolidation there. Another side to this as we begin to close out, it's worth spending some time on, though, some of the key challenges or even risks that you see for this theme. What would you identify there? There are definitely some challenges and risks to consider, and I'll just give a, a couple examples by section, you know, starting with waste management and recycling. For this section here, one of the largest growth drivers for recycling uh, is emerging markets on a regional basis. Um, so the ability of those governments to pay for municipal waste treatment um, is definitely a key factor. And if that ability deteriorates, you know, that's going to be a risk to the growth trajectory overall. Um, and, of course, there are regional differences, um, but in terms of the growth rate overall, that's definitely a key factor. Uh, for plastics, second, second section here, you know, one thing that we discussed in the report is chemical recycling as a solution um, for you know, difficult to recycle plastics, things like black plastic that's not easily recycled with traditional methods. Chemical recycling is one potential solution, but the technology is you know, not all the way there yet, and then it's still you know, expensive, and there are some you know, minor difficulties that need to be worked out. So that's still something that you know, is in process, and there could be you know, some hiccups along the way as technology is tried and tested, if you will. And then finally, uh, resale, authenticity, and consumer adoption. I would say are you know, significant factors in this thesis. So first and foremost, if consumers decide that secondhand just isn't cool anymore, that's of course going to be a major change in the thesis. Uh, but for companies focused on luxury, authentic- authentication is also going to be key in order for companies to uphold their reputation uh, and for consumer consumers to to stay confident in the business model. Um, so the last thing that I'd mention here, again, just is the fragmentation in that market. Uh, some companies might not make it through this initial phase of consolidation or might not be able to reach profitability um, as this competition kind of shakes itself out. Uh, in the early stages here. Well, Michelle, thank you for dropping by top of the morning today to get our listeners, clients better familiarized, acquainted with this new investment theme from the Chief Investment Office, Circular Economy. I will point our listeners, our clients to the correlating publication, which is now available up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Of course, if you are a client of UBS, just reach out to your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the publication directly. Though this morning we've been joined by Michelle Liberty, thematic investing strategist for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.